Brought to you by RunToGold.com, the premier source for monetary science applied to geopolitical, international, and economic financial news and events. What is a credit contraction? There's a term out there called a Kondratiev winter, and it was named after a Russian economist who actually got marched off to the Gulag because he disagreed with Stalin. Anyways, uh, this Kondratiev winter is supposed to be a cycle that occurs about every 80 years, and it's a Great Depression or whatnot. Now, a deflationary credit contraction uh, got its closest thing to being probably a Kondratiev winter. Anyways. I don't necessarily think that we're in a Kondratiev winter, but I do think that we are definitely in a deflationary credit contraction. Now, a deflationary credit contraction is the opposite of an inflationary credit expansion. John Exeter, who was a former New York Federal Reserve Central Banker, came up with an inverse pyramid of liquidity. At the very base, or tip of the pyramid, you had the safest and the most liquid asset, which would be gold. Then, during an inflationary credit expansion, the capital, both real or fictitious, would migrate up the pyramid into less safe and more risky investments. Eventually, however, sentiment would change, and capital would begin to move down the pyramid in a deflationary credit contraction moving from the less safe and less liquid assets into the safer, more liquid assets. Since the subprime crisis erupted in 2007, we've seen this uh, begin to happen. We've seen people, quote, rush to safety as they go down into treasury bills. Well, ultimately, investors ensconce themselves within a deflationary but invincible and immovable golden force field. Now, Paul Volcker was speaking at the Economic Club of New York back in April 8, 2008, and this is a very important quote that he read. He said, The sheer complexity, opaqueness, and systemic risks embedded in the new markets, complexities and risks little understood even by most of those with management responsibilities, has, comp has enormously complicated both official and private responses to this current mother of all crises. Now, I don't even know if Mr. Volcker even understands the sheer scope of this deflationary credit contraction. Because what we're seeing, because of advents uh, in the internet in regards to monetary evolution and uh, evolution with currencies and uh, money, we're seeing the collapse of both fiat currency and fractional reserve banking at the same time. I mean, it, George Soros said that this is a 60-year event, you know, and some are saying, oh, once in a century, uh, which would go back to 1913 with the creation of the Federal Reserve and, and the advent of this fiat currency. But really, what, what we're seeing is much larger in scope because, you see, fractional reserve banking goes back clear to the Medici in Italy in the 13th century. I mean, what, what we could be witnessing if the tides have turned, and I think that they have, is that we're seeing the collapse of a 600-year-old uh, monetary and currency system. I mean, this is huge. And where we're going, since the tides have turned, where we're going in the future is we're going to a 100% 
reserve-backed, commodity-based currency. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of wealth that shifts hands during this time. This is definitely the mother of all crises for central bankers who engage in fiat currency and fractional reserve banking because this is the exact opposite of what they want because they can no longer engage in their uh, confiscation through inflation, which is a form of taxation without representation or without due process of law. So we'll see huge changes in both the political landscape and the economic landscape. People who had fortunes will, will find them evaporating as capital moves and burrows down the pyramid into the safest and the most liquid investments. Anyways, that's a brief introduction to my premise of what's going on and why. So I definitely think we're in a deflationary credit contraction and that we're going to see it continue and accelerate. You know, the faster it goes, the faster it goes because, you know, j just remember the first rule of panic. Do it first. And there's just not enough gold out there for everybody because you take the whole entire above-ground stockpiles of gold that's available for sale, it's about $2 trillion at current prices. And you look at that liquidity pyramid, and there's about $1,400 trillion of both tangible and uh, financial assets there. And that capital, both real and fictitious, is going to have to burrow down to the safest and the most liquid investments. And, and there's just... Uh, there's way too much of this imaginary stuff in that pyramid to actually get real tangible things. You know, things without counterparty risk. Things that don't vaporize when credit default swap derivatives implode Bear Stearns or Lehman and Brothers or AIG or Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. You know, people are going to want real stuff in their hand right now. And that's the... The penultimate asset, of course, is gold. Uh, silver, platinum, palladium are also precious metals that can be uh, digitized, turned into currency as we move into this new age. But the tides have turned, and we're no longer in this inflationary credit expansion, but in a deflationary credit contraction. So make sure you understand the environment, the circumstances. Of course, there are going to be ups and downs uh, as as we move down the pyramid, but that's the general trend and direction. So uh, take care and panic first. You've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast, the premier source for applied monetary science on the web.